Hello, and welcome to the 900 Ackland Avenue podcast and Sunday service for April 26, 2020. We are glad to have you with us this morning. Today is the third Sunday in Easter. Our opening scripture reading is from Acts chapter 2, verses 14 and 36 to 41. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to worship this morning, together in spirit. We pray that you will help us to have eyes to see the work that you are doing in this unusual time, and that you will give us ears to hear when you call us to work on your behalf in our world. I pray that you will have mercy on those who are suffering from anxiety or loss, loss of job, loss of regular food, loss of health, loss of loved ones, or even just loss of opportunities. Bring comfort, peace, and healing. Help us to feel your presence in the circumstances we find ourselves in each day. When we worry that things will not work out for good, help us to believe that your hand is in all things, and because of your loving kindness, all things will work for the good of those that believe in you. I pray your spirit dwells in us this morning as we all take time this day to meditate on your word and on your will for our lives and our community. It's through Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Feel free to stop the recording now and worship the Lord. This morning's scripture reading will be Psalm 116, verses 1 through 4, and then 12 through 19. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard me, he heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, save me. How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation 
and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice a thanksgiving to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day that we could gather together virtually and think about all that you have done for us, all that you continue to do for us. We ask that you be with us in this special time with the COVID-19 virus outbreak and be with all those all over the world who are struggling with this. Please be with the caregivers and the first responders and the truck drivers and the people who process food and all those who are dealing with this virus and struggling with it. We ask that you be with them and comfort them. We thank you for this community that meets here. We thank you for the love that we share. And we ask that you be with those who, in our congregation, who are suffering and sick and need you and need your attention. And be with us all, Lord. And we thank you most of all for your son, Jesus. And it's through him we pray. Amen. Again, now, if you'd like, pause the recording and uh, worship God. Good morning, Acklin. I want to try something a little bit different today. I want to ask you a question. I want you to consider your answer. And then at the end of this message, I want you to share your answer with someone. It could be someone in the room with you right now, or you might text or call someone later today with your answer. You, you can text or email me. But I want you to reflect on this question, and here it is. Six weeks into our experience with this pandemic, so our experience here in Tennessee, six weeks into that, what is something you understand more now than you used to? Maybe it's something you never knew. Maybe it's something you knew, but you now know a lot deeper. What do you understand now more than you did before all of this happened? And I'm I'm curious what your answer is. We live in a time of disruption. Life involves disruption from time to time. It might be a personal disruption, a move, a change in a relationship, a health situation, or a new school or a new job. It might be a disruption larger than just one that affects you. I'm thinking of things like the 2010 flood, 9-11, war, famine, those big types of things. In this life, we will face disruptions. This COVID-19 pandemic is one such disruption. And these events bring pain, 
grief, and fear. In recent weeks, our Bible readings have focused on these themes. But disruption offers something else as well. A period of disruption can be an opportunity for growth. And to be clear, I don't want to minimize the pain, the grief, the fear. We've talked about those in recent weeks. But this morning, I want to bring in this additional part to the conversation. This disruptive pandemic offers you an opportunity to grow. And what will you do with that opportunity? In recent weeks, I was watching a geography show with the girls and I learned more about the story of William Boeing. In his early 20s, turn of the century, Boeing moved to the Pacific Northwest to go into the lumber business, and he did quite well for himself. However, in 1909, he saw a manned aircraft at an exposition, and he fell in love with the possibility of air travel. He saw that human flight would be a disruptive force. All forms of travel have a way of disrupting what came before them. I mean, blacksmiths and buggy makers, they worried about the disruption of cars, right? But in this disruption, the disruption of air travel, Boeing saw an opportunity. He learned to fly. He learned to assemble planes. And ultimately, he learned to make planes. In 1916, he went into the aviation business. And the rest is history. The Boeing name is now synonymous with air travel. Disruption creates opportunity. I think back on my life in various ways. Uh, I think of the disruption of, of new jobs and new schools and how that gave me an opportunity to make new friends and see so many different things in a new light. I remember health disruptions. I remember a time in middle school when my arm was in a sling and, boy, I tell you, Some of you have experienced this. Going around with part of your body not working like it used to, it makes you consider a lot of things, and you learn to appreciate things in a lot of ways, and you learn to empathize with other people in a lot of ways. I remember little things like the stereo going out in my vehicle, and the disruption of that caused me to appreciate silence so much more. And we've all had the times when the power goes out, and you light a candle, and you're disappointed at first, but then you kind of Sometimes you kind of end up having a cool evening, right? With candlelight, you do something completely different. Disruptions offer opportunities. Our gospel reading today focuses on the most disruptive thing in human history. Jesus came back to life. And in doing so, he disrupted all the normal ways we think about life and death. Notice how these two men, and this is the walk to Emmaus story from Luke 24. Notice how these two men react to the disruption as we consider what lesson it holds for us. This is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. And this is right after the women encounter the empty tomb and the angel and go running back to the disciples. It's shortly after that. Now that same day, Two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk? And they stood still, their faces downcast. 
One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on, as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us! It's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together, saying, It's true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Every time I read this story, I marvel at their spiritual blindness. I wonder at their intellectual blindness. Why couldn't they see what was happening? How did they not know what was really going on? Why couldn't they just trust what the women had told them about the angel at the tomb? They reacted to the disruption with fear and confusion, and it took them a while to finally see the opportunity that was before them. What does their story teach us? First, we need to be open to new understandings. The resurrection of Jesus offered a new way of looking at life and death But they had no box to put that in. They kept wanting to put this new information in old paradigms, new wine in old wineskins. It just didn't fit, though. They didn't open themselves to it. Why do we so often resist new information? Likely because it makes our brains work hard. Uh, Think of it this way. You have regular drives that you do daily and weekly, and you zone out. You hardly even think about your route. It's programmed into your brain. But if there's traffic or construction, you have to find a new route. And suddenly, you have to stop and think. Your brain has to work. That's where the confusion, I mean, and that's where the frustration comes from. This type of thing makes me irritable. I'd rather not have to think. I just want to listen to my podcast or enjoy the conversation with someone. Processing new information takes time, energy, and wisdom. And too often, we just don't want to do it. More than that, new understandings challenge us. They threaten our previous commitments and loyalties. Cleopas and his buddy, they'd grown up thinking a certain way. Dead people don't come back to life in three days. When the Messiah comes, 
He'll bring victory, not suffering. They had a different understanding of what it meant to be king. This new understanding of a suffering yet victorious servant king, a crucified Lord, this challenged them. It threatened all the previous things they'd said and uttered about the coming king. If we pause long enough to truly reflect, we may see new understandings coming from this disruption. Some of these new understandings may be hard. Some may be challenging, and some new understandings may cause us to go back and say, I was wrong before, but now this is what I know. I'll give you one. And uh, I've even joked about this with some of you. Uh, The government does not consider me an essential worker. (laughs) If I'm honest, I'll I'll admit this. I've joked with some of you on the phone. You're out doing stuff. And I said, well, I wish I was an essential worker. I could be out. (laughs) Um, I'll admit this. I think of myself and what I do is pretty important. At the same time, I confess, I have not seen all jobs as really important. And when the government calls some of those jobs essential, and my job non-essential, it takes me to some new understandings. Now, I'm not saying this, so you'll email me later that preaching is essential, okay? I say this as a confession. I admit that I have failed to see the value of some professions, and I'm embarrassed to say that. Specifically, um, this experience has caused me to appreciate so much all of those involved in the food supply chain. And I knew this. I just didn't stop to think about it, to appreciate it, and to see all the different cogs in the system of food supply, to just truly see those jobs on a daily basis is really important and is essential because they are. And at this point, I've become so grateful for essential workers, and I promise to have more humility and gratitude for people's work. Can we be open to new understandings like that? New understandings, opportunities for growth that can come from this disruption. Of course, Not everything that is new is correct, right? Just because it's new doesn't mean it's right. We must be open to the new, but there's another thing at play, a a second thing. We need to embrace the anchors of ancient truth. Cleopas and his friend, part of their problem was not looking forward. Part of their problem was not looking to the past and truly appreciating the past. You know, Jesus says to them, starting in verse 25, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus says the reason they didn't understand the new was that they didn't believe the old. If they had truly embraced the ancient truths of the prophets, they would have known that the crucifixion fit in with God's prophesied plan. Part of their problem was that they didn't know their Bible, and they hadn't fully embraced the ancient truths. Now, what specifically was Jesus referring to? Probably many scriptures, but scriptures that first come to mind are are scriptures like Isaiah 53.5, when Isaiah prophesies about the coming suffering servant, where Isaiah says, 
He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. This reminds us of Jesus and all that he did to be our suffering servant. At Pentecost, uh, Peter sees Psalm 16, specifically Psalm 16.10, as evidence for the prophesied resurrection of the Messiah, where we read, You will not abandon me, thinking of your Holy One, you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. Over and over again in the Old Testament, um, we see prophecies like this. And in the New, we realize that people miss the future because they didn't understand the past. They had not embraced the ancient truths. Another such example is in the book of Acts when we start to see more and more Gentiles coming into the kingdom and everyone seems shocked by this. But Peter and Paul, who themselves were shocked, uh, they quote from the Old Testament as if to say, we should have seen this coming. You should have seen this coming. And Jesus basically tells Cleopas and the other disciple, you should have seen this coming. We need to cling to ancient truth. In our day and time, there's a fair amount of chronological snobbery. Despite all the times it's been proven false, we're enamored with the idea of the continual, linear progress of the human race. Every generation becomes more enlightened than the other. This belief necessitates, of course, that we believe our ancestors were completely barbaric and backwards. We emphasize their weakness and then our strength. Instead of this, though, a careful reading of history, alongside a dose of humility, shows us that, sure, they missed a lot, but they got a lot right, too, and we're not much different. We get some stuff right that they missed, but be sure our grandkids will be giggling in the corner about our cultural backwardness in due time. No generation has it all together. The suspicion we have about the past, the suspicion we have about ancient truths, that suspicion is to our detriment. As my father always told me growing up, he would say, I pray you'll repeat the good that God has done in me, but I pray you won't repeat my sin. Sure, as we look at ancient wisdom, as we look at the past, there's things we don't want to repeat, but there's a lot of stuff we do. We must cling to ancient truth even as we open ourselves to the new. And in fact, the new and the old are probably more connected than we believe. Truth is truth no matter the age. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine the chuckle some of our ancestors would be having if they saw us now? Some of us are, are learning to slow down. Some of us are learning to take walks and enjoy sunsets. Some of us are busier than we've ever been. And it's teaching us how much we need others. We're not as independent as we thought we were. We're all interconnected. And not just in this country, the entire planet. All 7.8 billion of us, we're all connected. We've been staring at those screens for years now. And some of us are finally realizing, you know, face-to-face -face interaction might actually be better. Over and over in recent weeks, I've heard people talk about meeting their neighbors for the first time. I've heard of people getting to know their neighbors much better than ever before. And think about touch. We need each other's touch. And we look back on recent decades, we've hypersexualized touch. 
we've seen it messed up to a large degree because of all the abuse scandals. But many of us have realized we need each other's touch. That slap on the back, that handshake, that hug, we miss it. Many of our ancestors knew these things. And this disruption has been an opportunity for us to get a helpful reminder. We need to be open to new understandings, while, at the also, while also mindful of ancient understandings. But there's a third thing at place here. There's a third thing going on. And this one's a little mysterious. Verse 16 says, They were kept from recognizing Jesus. Verse 31 says, Their eyes were opened when they saw Jesus break the bread. The Bible teaches us that God can open our eyes to understandings. We learn that the Spirit can open our hearts to things that were previously closed to us. Can I explain how all this works? Nope. But I believe it to be true. In the mystery of God, the Lord sometimes chooses to grant us new understandings. And in my life, it's worked like this. Out of nowhere... A thought appears in my head. Suddenly I get a gentle nudge. Or it might be a person telling me the same thing that they've told me 20 times before. But this time, it makes so much sense. I see something I've never noticed before. As if God has shown a spotlight on it just for me. Understanding comes from God. And let us pray that God spiritually reveals truth to us. Let us pray that God opens our hearts and minds. And all of us, all of us have parts of our hearts and minds that are closed, even if we don't realize it. And that's a hard thing to accept. But can we pray that God will open our hearts and minds? And may we have eyes to finally see, like Cleopas and the other disciple, here in the story. Family, we're experiencing a season of disruption. And as we've reflected in recent weeks from the scriptures, disruption can cause pain, grief, fear, anxiety, and suffering. And we must be patient and empathetic to all of that. But there's another thing. Disruption offers an opportunity for growth. In the midst of the bad, God is working for good. We all have to spend time thinking, how will we grow during this time? All of us have an opportunity to mature, to spiritually grow up just a little bit more. How will we become more loving, more peaceful, and more holy? And may we reflect on what God might teach us in this time of disruption. So this morning, uh, pause the recording and share with someone around you or text or email someone. Text or email me. I'd love to hear from you. Six weeks into our experience with this pandemic, what is something you understand more now than you used to? What do you know that you didn't know before? Please take a moment to uh, to worship God and to prepare your hearts and minds uh, for communion.
from Luke chapter 1, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. To Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the blessing of the bread and the cup. And God, as we partake of both of these things, I pray that you would fill us up. Fill us up and remind us that we're not hungry um, and that we can uh, love our neighbor and have the strength to do uh, what is right and what is good and to bring you glory, um, God. And I just pray um, that we can be your humble servants. We thank you so much for what this bread and this cup means. We thank you for a life that was lived in example, a death that was sacrificial, and a resurrection that conquered both sin and death, that we might have hope. God, go with us. Thank you for providing for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Feel free to express your thankfulness and worship God at this time. The closing reading from this week will be 1 Peter 1, 17-23. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, 
live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemishing or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times of, for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply, from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this time we can worship you. Even if it is not in person, we can feel you in our hearts, Lord. Help us to be patient, safe, and forgiving during these times, Lord. And let us keep our faith and hope in you, God. We ask you to bless this forthcoming week and that we may be fruitful in our endeavors to worship you. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. And thank you most of all for your Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. And in his name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Hope everyone is well and adjusting to this new quote-unquote normal. With so many scheduled events up in the air, both within the church community and the world at large, let's begin with those things that are not. Birthdays. On Thursday, April the 30th, Macy Conway will turn 6. And on Saturday, May the 2nd, Henry Thornton will turn 9. You guys are growing up so fast. And so is Mark Schmidt, who also has a birthday on May the 2nd. All right, some emails have been sent out about events coming up and ways to stay connected as we continue to shelter at home. JP sent out an email regarding virtual small groups starting this evening. Please let JP know if you'd like to join but haven't yet. Also, as been the practice these past few Sundays, if you are listening to this prior to 10 a.m. at least, please join a Zoom call at 10. Uh, we will spend this time talking and catching up with each other. It's our virtual coffee and donuts time. And on Saturday, May the 2nd, at 7 p.m., there will be a special Zoom session to commemorate the 10th anniversary of the Nashville Flood. We'd love to hear any stories or see any pictures if you'd like to share. Uh, speaking of scheduled events up in the air, JP did send out an email to parents of 6th through 12th graders regarding the Nashville work camp. Um, at this point, it's kind of tentative, but the organizers are going to be wanting to make a decision on May the 5th if that's going to move forward. Um, so they would like to have applications in by May the 1st. Um, we, JP did mention that he would like to have the checks and the applications in either today or tomorrow. So we have time to get that over to Northside, who's kind of organizing it. Uh, that, so if you do haven't sent that in, you still want to do it, uh, just make out a check for $75, make it out to Ackland, and uh, get that to JP. If you uh, decide you're not going to do it, or if it just gets canceled, full refunds will be given. And finally, as graduation dates are upon us, let's not forget to honor Charlie, Jade, and Jeremy. Hopefully a senior night will be held later in this summer. And you guys are never going to forget this senior year, that's for sure. And I'm sure that I'm leaving something out, so if I am, I know I recorded this a couple days in advance, feel free to send uh, an email out to the group. And thank you, looking forward to seeing everybody again real soon, and God bless.
You've been listening to 900 Ackland Avenue, a podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is http colon slash slash Thanks again for joining us. God bless.